Hello, and welcome to Heartline Ministries, a one-hour televised program and audio podcast where we take the timeless truth of Scripture and apply it to hearts and lives in the 21st century. Join Pastor Harold Noyes of Community Christian Church in Athens, Vermont, and Pastor Timothy Golden of Life on Main in Charlestown, New Hampshire, as they bring the light and life of God's Word to current situations and experiences. Now here are your hosts, Pastor Harold Noyes and Timothy Golden. We've been studying the book of John, our Gospel of John, and today we're going to be starting chapter 3. And Tim, to me, I love this chapter. Mm. I love it because it, it talks about not doing the religious thing, but really knowing what it is to have God do a work in our, in our own hearts and lives and, and transforms us. We, you know, we got this right here, the transforming power of Jesus Christ. Mm-hmm. Well, that's what chapter 3 truly is all about, right. is that wonderful transforming power of Jesus Christ. Mm-hmm. It really is, and that it's open to anybody, you yeah. know, if we're willing to take the time to really listen and not make excuses why we don't need to listen, right. you know, and that's what separated this gentleman that he's talking with, Nicodemus, that we're going to be talking about, who is a Pharisee. But what really separated him from the other Pharisees yeah. uh, was just this very mindset that he was willing to continue to be teachable, yeah. uh, where the others felt they had arrived. You know, and, and I like that because you know, you, if you as you read Jesus in his ministry, you know, he he says to us, "If you seek me, you will find me." Mm-hmm. And that's the way Nicodemus was. He yep. was not afraid to seek out Jesus. Now, he may have done it by night, mm-hmm. and there may be reasons for that. One is he may have done it, one to do it under the cover of darkness, but still the fact that he sought him out. Mm-hmm. And that's the way God is with all of us. Yep. You seek me out, you will find me. You ask and you will receive. You know, And, and we really honestly believe that, mm-hmm. that that is the work in which God will do. Mm-hmm. And if we're open to it, he'll do it for us. That's it. You know, and to me, that is so neat. You know, we just had uh, a neat thing, and I think Tim's going to read this for us. Um, we love your responses. We love having people write us a response uh, to, our, to our program, and we encourage you, please do that. And Tim has one that he's going to read to us. Yeah, so uh, this came through just this week. Uh, from an individual uh, that was over on the other side of our state, uh, even though this goes all over the world. This one came fairly local. Uh, but the person had this to say. They said, I have been listening to, to you guys on Spotify, which is one of our podcasts. Uh, and then it goes on to say, you two are helping me to better appreciate the symbolism in John and the culture of the time Thank you for being there for me. Yeah. How incredible that is. Because sometimes, you know, we think this is great that we're here and we're hoping and we're praying that this is going out. It's actually impacting people. Um, But here's somebody that feels like we've actually connected with them. It's not just listening. And that's what we want. We want to we want to connect connect with people, but mostly connect people with Jesus. Right. And and once again, I mean, we would love to have your responses, Um, you know, just right on. And and I don't know exactly how you do that. If if you want to just give. Yep. They can just go straight onto our Facebook page, for instance, and you can just leave us a message through there. uh, And 
that's probably the best way to do it. Um, you can also go on to any of our YouTube videos and you can simply comment on one of those and it will kick us a response that somebody has replied to one of those videos and we'll be able to see those and be able to respond to those. Yeah, well, it's always fun to, you know, to receive something like this and to know that, that this is going out and is benefiting someone mm -hmm. and helping them in their daily walk with the Lord yes. Jesus Christ. And, and that's what this program is all about. So I really appreciate that one who wrote and mm -hmm. would hope that others would also do that for us. Tim, I'm going to open in prayer, and then uh, I'm going to have you read the first, what, 21 verses, I think it is. Mm -hmm. uh, we may not get through all 21 verses today. You know that, you know, we, we kind of crawl slowly sometimes. But I'm going to have you read all 21 verses, and then we will have a discussion about it. So, Father God, we thank you so much. Lord God, that truly you can use us as your vessels and as your instruments, Father God, to to minister to people and help along the way in their walk with you. And Father, now as we look at John chapter 3, what an important chapter for all of us. And Lord God, that you would open our eyes, open the eyes of our hearts to understand what you are saying. So Father God, touch everyone who will listen, who will watch. Father, touch Tim and I as we minister the Word of God. And we'll thank you in the name of Christ our Lord. Amen. Amen. So starting at verse 1. It reads, Now there was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a member of the Jewish ruling council. He came to Jesus at night and said, Rabbi, we know you are a teacher who has come from God, for no one could perform the miraculous signs you are doing if God were not with him. In response, Jesus declared, I tell you the truth, no one can see the kingdom of God unless he is born again. How can a man be born when he is old? Nicodemus asked. Surely he cannot enter a second time into his mother's womb to be born. Jesus answered, I tell you the truth. No one can enter the kingdom of God unless he is born of water and the spirit. Flesh gives birth to flesh, but the spirit gives birth to spirit. You should not be surprised at my saying, you must be born again. The wind blows wherever it pleases, you hear its sound, but you cannot tell where it comes from or where it is going. So it is with everyone born of the Spirit. How can this be, Nicodemus asked. You are Israel's teacher, said Jesus, and you do not understand these things? I tell you the truth, we speak of what we know and we testify to what we have seen, but still you people do not accept our testimony. I have spoken to you of earthly things and you do not believe. How then will you believe if I speak of heavenly things? No one has ever gone into heaven except the one who, come, who came from heaven, the Son of Man. Just as Moses lifted up the snake in the desert, so the Son of Man must be lifted up, that everyone who believes in him may have eternal life. For God so loved the world that he gave his only one and only Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. Whoever believes in him and is not condemned, or whoever believes in him is not condemned, but whoever does not believe stands condemned already because he has not believed in the name of God's one and only son. This is the verdict. Light has come into the world, but men love darkness instead of light because their deeds were evil. Everyone who does evil hates the light and will not come into the light for fear that his deeds will be exposed. 
But whoever lives by the truth comes into the light so that it may be seen plainly that what he has done has been done through God. Wow, what a what a wonderful portion of Scripture. And Tim, in the 50-plus years that I've been a believer, I think this still holds a tremendous impact in my life. Mm-hmm. Uh, I love it um, basically because it talks about what God will do in our life in transforming mm-hmm. us from the old man into a new man, mm-hmm. from the old way of life to a new way of life. Mm-hmm. And, and, and he does it in such a way that, that you know, if it's, it's, if it's truly something that God has done, you're going to see the evidence, and, mm-hmm. and people are going to see the evidence of it. Mm-hmm. And to me, that is what is so very important. Yeah. You know, uh, I'd like the comparison also that, that Jesus uses the picture of a religious person coming to him and asking him, you know, how, do, how can this be? What, what is all this about? Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, he's been a, a man of the law. He's been studied, a student of the law mm-hmm. all his life, and, he's, and he's, he has a hard time wrapping his, his head around what Jesus is now trying to tell him. Mm-hmm. You know, and, I, and I, just, I just, I love it, because we, of course, we teach on this program that it's relationship. Mm-hmm. It's not religion. That's right. You know, it's a relationship. And that's what Jesus is trying to get across mm-hmm. in Nicodemus. It's a relationship. Mm-hmm. Being born again is, it. is what it's all about. You know, I, I remember back, Tim, back in the, especially in the 60s and 70s, where, you know, you talk about being born again, and people just kind of, they, they almost go against it. They, they don't like that term. Mm. You know, it's a term that kind of goes against mankind i guess mm. in some ways and and i haven't heard m- as much against it these days and what we did back in those days but mm-hmm. i'm sure that it still reeks on some people what do you mean to be born again how can you be born again right and all of that and i'm hoping maybe today and maybe even next week that you know we'll be able to explain what does what does being born again really mean mm-hmm. you know i mean yeah maybe 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 just give a, a simple explanation to it right now or a simple ex, uh, example of what it what it really means to be born again what i mean that's a that's a f- term foreign to most people well i think what we have to do is as we used to do quite a bit we're going to do it again we have to go back to genesis where it talks about how we we're made in god's image and we are made triune very much as god is triune we are made up of three main components we're body we're mind we're spirit right? And so what he is, uh, Jesus is pointing out here is, look, this concept of being born again, because Nicodemus was, his struggle was because he was thinking physical. You know, he wasn't looking at the spiritual aspect, right? And forget the, the, the emotional mind part of it, right? But that's really what's at play here. He was, Nicodemus was looking at this concept from a bodily standpoint. How can you enter again into your mother's womb? And this is a man who's a Pharisee. He had learned how to intellectually reason God. Yep. You know, and, and tried to live a life religiously through his actions, to the best of his ability, through his mind. And Jesus is pointing out, look, both of those things don't cut it. If you really want to be born again, if you really want to live life in the kingdom of God, you've got to get born into that kingdom. The only way we live in this world is because we were born into this world physically. To be part of his kingdom, we've got to be born spiritually 
spiritually. And that's what Jesus was really wanting to point out. Look, this isn't about your physical birth. This isn't about you trying to get everything right religiously or trying to think think proper and all this sort of stuff. It's about allowing the breath of God to be breathed into your spirit man now. Because that's what happened with Adam and Eve back in the garden. They were still walking and talking, but they were told that if you eat of this fruit, you will surely die. Speaking of that one tree they right. weren't supposed to eat from. Well, they ate of the tree... But they still breathe. They still live. Well, what it was talked about was the spiritual death they started to experience at that very moment. It wasn't just that they were going to die physically. There was a spiritual death that happened immediately when that when they took that bite. And so, and that spirit curse of death has been passed down from generation to generation, which is manifested in the physical. And even when we accept Christ, we still die the physical. But the thing is, is now we are born afresh. We're born anew so that our spirit now has that breath of life breathed in, much like Adam and Eve had that physical breath breathed in so that they would never die when they were first created. That has now been um, reconciled through the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ so that now the spirit can breathe into us, cause us, our spirits literally to be born in him. And therefore, when this body dies, my spirit will continue to live. You know, all mankind has, when, they came, when we came into the world, we were given, born with the Adamic nature. Mm-hmm. That would be the, the nature of Adam, mm-hmm. right? And of course, we know that the nature of Adam fell or changed mm-hmm. when they ate of that fruit. Right. So that they became, as the scriptures talk to us, we call that now the old nature mm-hmm. of man. When a person gets born again, when a person comes to know Christ as their personal savior and they're born again, God gives them a new nature. Mm-hmm. You know, Second um, Corinthians five seventeen. Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he's a new creature Old things have passed away. Behold, all things become new. You go from that old Adamic nature, or the nature of Adam, Mm -hmm. into now a new nature would be the nature of Christ. Mm -hmm. Uh, Scripture verse that that comes to mind is 2 Peter 1, verse 4. This is what it says. Whereby are given unto us exceeding great and precious promises, that by these you might be partakers Mm -hmm. or in partnership of the divine nature, having mm-hmm. escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust. So what does God do? Being born again means that God goes and transforms us from the old nature now and gives us a new nature. Correct. And that very new nature is his divine nature. Yep. Which really blows me away. Mm-hmm. You know, that that you know that we can we can actually have this nature of God. Mm-hmm. So that I can look through the eyes of God, I can feel through the heart of God, I can know the mind of God, mm-hmm. where in the natural man I can't do that. Right. In the old Adamic man I can't mm-hmm. do that. And but one, in this new man, yeah. we can. And one of the reasons we can do that is because when we become born again, and it's not only the breath of God now that has been breathed into our spirits, the Holy Spirit actually takes up residence within. Yep. And so now all of a sudden we begin to uh, look at scriptures. We were talking about this over breakfast earlier, but you know the number of people that I've ran into over the course of my life that after they came to know the Lord, they talk about when they were trying to read the Bible before they came to know the Lord and how it just, none of it made sense to them. But all of a sudden, 
after they made that profession of faith and invited God to come in and take up residence within, all of a sudden they're like, I opened up the Bible and things were starting to make sense. Yeah. It's like, not that I understood it all, but it's like I could read the passages before I had no clue. Now all of a sudden it was crystal clear. It's like, well, that's because the Holy Spirit is revealing to you. You're open now. You're coming with the same heart that Nicodemus kind of had here, where you're wanting to learn, you're wanting to understand. But because the Holy Spirit now has taken up presence, he now communes with your spirit, and he now can begin to shed light on what those words are and what they mean. You know, what I, what I find interesting, and as you were reading just a moment ago, this p- passage of Scripture I couldn't help but think in verse 2 of this chapter, it goes and says, the same came to Jesus by night. And then I went over to verses 20 and 21 as you were finishing. Mm -hmm. For everyone that doeth evil hateth the light, neither cometh to the light, lest his deeds should be reproved. But he that Mm -hmm. doeth truth cometh to the light. What was... How, how was Nicodemus coming to Jesus? He was coming to Jesus in the old nature. Mm-hmm. He was coming to Jesus in the old man, so therefore it would be natural for him to come to Jesus in the darkness, yep. in the blackness of night. Why? Because that's all he knows. Mm-hmm. You know. Right. Now what's going to happen mm-hmm. is you're going to go from that blackness of darkness of night to all of a sudden the light's going to be turned on, mm-hmm. you know, and and you're going to see things that you've never seen before. And Nicodemus is going to see some things he never saw before. Even as a scholar of the Word of God, yeah. he never saw them. Yeah, and another reason why he may, and again, this is kind of, pre, you know, just trying to, you know, use our, I don't want to say divine imagination, but trying to look beyond just what is written, but try not to read into it. But you've got a man here who is very prestigious amongst Mm -hmm. the Pharisees. And now he's seeking out this guy who's raised some concerns. You know, now he makes this point, though. He's like, we know you must be sent from God. They're not saying that he is the son of God. Right. Because he referred to him as rabbi, teacher. That's a normal phrase. So, but we know no one could perform miraculous signs that you are doing if God were not with him. So we, we've identified there's something of God's presence in and over your life. But you know that there are those, because we see it rear up as we go throughout the book of John, that the tone changes that, well, we think you're getting your power from Beelzebub or from right. Satan, Satan, right? Yep. And so you know that amongst some of these Pharisees, there was already that stirring just because of that. That's not just something like, oh, we think you're from God. Oh, no, now we think you're from Satan. You know, there, there was something of this that was at play already. And so because of his prestige, see, if I go talk to this Jesus one-on-one, and I'm not being sent by the Pharisees, here, right. by the other Pharisees, this is something he's doing on his own accord for, to the best of what we can see here. And so his concern was, if I'm seen with this man, what will those others think? Yeah, what's, what's going to be the repercussion you know, for right. us? And, and so the focus was on himself. The, the focus was on the fear of man versus the fear of God, right? Because they were, uh, God, remember, in this day, the Pharisees, it wasn't just that they were religious leaders. It was a place of power. It was a place of prestige. It was a place where they could, um, where they were elevated to, and they tried, and they lorded it over the people. And this is what happened amongst most of the Pharisees. Something in Nicodemus, though, was different. He really wants to seek out 
what this is really about. I sense there's something real. That I've, I've got to find out more. Something's just, it, it's warring in me. And, but yeah, I want to go, but yeah, I, I don't want others to see me. And, and this is a normal response before you have the Spirit of God. How many times have we, you and I ran into people in our own churches that after they came to know the Lord, it's like, well, actually, I've been, I've been wanting to go forward for a while, but I was afraid of what people might think. And it's like, don't be afraid of what people think. You know, seek God. That's the enemy speaking in your ear, trying to keep you away from the life he, that God wants you to have. And Nicodemus was falling prey to that, I think, at this point in his life. Yeah, I, and I, you know, and I understand it. I, I mean, I thoroughly understand mm -hmm. Nicodemus. You know, he hasn't quite made that commitment, mm -hmm. but he certainly is seeking and yeah. he's asking. And before he really is willing to identify with, and matter of fact. You really don't hear any more about Nicodemus until pretty much towards the trial and mm -hmm. the crucifixion of Jesus. Yep. Then you hear of Nicodemus again. Yeah. You know, so that so you have this, but but yeah, it, it's one of those things where I want to learn it, but I'm afraid I'm going to be ostracized for it. Mm -hmm. And how many people are like that? Where yes, you know, I know that there's something else out there, something mm. beyond it, something further. Mm -hmm. And I need to seek it out. But I, I want to do it just for me right now because I want to make sure that it's right. I want to make sure that it's... And, mm -hmm. and I think maybe that's what Nicodemus was thinking yep. about. I mean, certainly um, being a religious leader and so forth and one of a group of very prestigious men, you know, he was, he was doing that. So he came to Jesus by night. We see that in verse 9, uh, verse 2, excuse me. And we also, I think it's in making reference to that again in verses 19 through 21, you know, where man likes darkness rather than light mm -hmm. and so forth. Why? Because they don't, they don't know what's in the light. Mm -hmm. They don't know what the light is all about. Mm -hmm. You know, it's like, you, you know, if you walk into your kitchen, turn the light on, you see a mouse go under the counter, you know, kind mm -hmm. of thing, you know, because they just want to scatter when the light comes. Well, maybe that's what Nicodemus is thinking about mm -hmm. as well. You know, so yep. we, we, we see that and I think we can understand that. Also that Nicodemus, we can see in verse 2 that he's looking through man's eyes. Mm -hmm. Because, you know, he said, Rabbi, we know that thou art a teacher come from God. Yeah. So I know that you're a good teacher, and I know that you certainly have a good handle on the, on the scriptures, which would mm -hmm. be like the book of Isaiah and so forth. You have a, a great handle, and I, and I want to learn this. Who knows? Maybe he was sitting there that day when he was 12 years, when Jesus was 12 years old, mm -hmm. teaching the scriptures. Yep. You know, so there's been 10 to, no, been 18 years difference now, where, you know, hey, I've heard this young kid, and now he's back preaching, and I want to hear more mm -hmm. of what, this, what he had to say. Yep. The same Jesus. You know, so he's, he's, but he's looking through man's eyes, just be simply because of the titles that he gives him. Mm -hmm. Rabbi, teacher, possibly one sent from God. Mm -hmm. Now, for you and me, who now know Christ as our personal Savior, we don't call him rabbi or good teacher anymore. Mm -hmm. We call him Lord. We call him Savior. We call him Master. We call him the Son of God. Mm -hmm. We call him all these, all these other titles that he has assumed or mm -hmm. taken on because of that relationship now we have with him. Mm -hmm. 
Right. Yeah. And it's looking also at, again, remembering they don't know the end of the story. Right. You know, John's four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, all the way to the end of the book haven't been lived yet. And so for them to acknowledge him as those things would be kind of strange, you know, um, given their current reality. And what was that current reality? The fact that these are the, the, we are the people of God and we have gone 400 years and there's not been a prophet in our nation in right. our nation until John the Baptist. He, he, he came probably the closest right. to being a prophetic voice. In fact, he was just that, right? I've come to make way, make straight the way, right. you know, for the Savior. So, um, but they did not necessarily see John the Baptist as a prophet because he looked weird. He didn't look the part, right? Though he did look a little bit like Elijah, yeah. you know? Um, so now you've got Jesus on the scene. So it wouldn't make sense to jump to this aspect of thinking, oh, finally the Savior has come, you know, even though we've got the declaration of what happened at, you know, at Christmas, right? right. That, that very first Christmas. And, um, but this now is 30 years later. Jesus is a son of a carpenter in the town. And there was a familiar... Fami uh, familiarity as we talked about I'm glad you said that. a couple of uh, <laughs> couple of weeks ago that made it difficult for them to accept that he would be the Christ because we saw you when you were in diapers yep you know we saw you when you were just learning how to walk you know we, we you were playing with my kids or with my neighbor's kids you know and this is not the picture I have of who the Messiah is going to be. Right. You know, he's not going to be someone I'm familiar with. And so you've got the fact that he's coming and just saying these things. Really, yeah, you'd like to think that he would come and, and identify that, oh, you must be the Christ. That would be awesome. But given the current reality of where they lived and the world in which they lived, you know, they hadn't heard from God for all these years. So why... What frame of reference would I have to believe that God himself would be here with me right now in human form talking to me? You know, I find in the pastorate, you know, as long as both of us have been in the pastorate, you know, we've got 100 years of experience, so mm -hmm. to speak. You know, I have found that the hardest people truly to share the scriptures with are the religious people. <laughs> yep. <laughs> you know, why? Because you have a lot of, unfortunately, we have a lot of unteaching we have to do before we can do some teaching. And that, in my view, is where Nicodemus is oh, coming yeah. from. Yeah. There's a lot of new concepts. There's a lot of new things that all of a sudden Nicodemus is looking at and saying, wait a minute, that doesn't add up. Mm -hmm. You know, like you were saying, you know, we saw you as a boy growing up and you scun your knees and you played kickball and you did all these things and all, all, all of a sudden you're the Messiah? Mm -hmm. No. I think of the Messiah when he comes down and, and he's on a white horse and he's, and he's king and he's masculine and he's all these things mm -hmm. and you're not living up to that. Right. You know, so my picture is different than what reality really is. Mm -hmm. And Nicodemus is now having to grope with that mm -hmm. um, as a religious leader. One of the things I also see in verse 2, Tim, that are very, very interesting. Miracles were given as a song, mm -hmm. always to teach a lesson. 
Mm-hmm. All right? Miracles were not given by Jesus just for the sack of, uh, fact of just simply doing something spectacular. Mm-hmm. He did something spectacular with a purpose to teach. Mm-hmm. And what I love about this is in verse 2, he goes and says, No man can do these miracles that thou doest except God be with him. Mm-hmm. So Nicodemus is starting to recognize, hey, that miracle in Cana mm-hmm. that you did, turning the water into wine, there's a lesson there, and I want to learn that lesson. Mm-hmm. What is that lesson you you were wanting to teach us? And by the way, turning water into wine, turning the old nature now into a new nature. Mm-hmm. You know, perfectly legitimate question, mm-hmm. and you know, using that miracle as a stepping off point to find out more about who this Jesus really is and what he is all about. Mm-hmm. So what Jesus does, and, and I love, in the King James, it goes and says, verily, verily, or truly, truly, mm-hmm. uh, I say unto you, and Jesus is the one speaking, except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. So what Jesus is now teaching us is, there ha- because of the Adamic nature and because of the fall of man, we have to do a work in your life. Mm-hmm. And that is an act of the mind, an act of the heart, an act of the will that that needs to be transformed. Mm -hmm. And that's what being born again is all about. Mm -hmm. Why? Because now you have the old nature, you have the black nature, you have have that thing that is contrary to God. Mm -hmm. Scripture tells us that nobody seeks out after God. Right. It is God who seeks us out and then draws us to himself. Mm You know, and, and I think that's what happened with Nicodemus. And that's not to say that he seeks people out and then he's, you know, he's going to somehow or another put you in a trance and cause you to come to him. Right. It, it is saying that, you know, but he's the one that makes the first move. Yep. But then we need to respond. And unfortunately, there's a lot of people he has tried to reach that haven't responded. And so there is still that, as you said, that aspect of the will that we have got to be willing to um, wrestle down um, to find ourselves coming to him to allow him to cause us to be born again. You know, I was looking, oh, no wonder I couldn't find it, it was in the wrong book. Um, looking at a scripture verse where it goes and says, um, It is God who worketh in us. Mm-hmm. And we have to recognize, and I think Nicodemus is now going to find this out that, okay, Nicodemus, you're now asking me, what does it mean to be born again? How can a man be born again? Mm-hmm. I can't do that. You know, Nicodemus can't do that. Right. But God can. Mm-hmm. He can now transform us into new people. You mentioned earlier how before, if you tried to read Scripture, you got very little out of it, if mm-hmm. anything. It didn't make sense. Right. Now when you come to know Christ as your personal Savior, you can look at Scripture, and you may not know all of it. Mm-hmm. We don't. I right. mean, every day I open up the Scriptures, mm-hmm. and I can read something and say, wow, I never mm-hmm. saw that before. Well, even the Apostle Paul was there, right? Yeah. 1 Corinthians 13, now we know in part and we prophesy in part. Right. You know, so we don't know it all. Mm-hmm. And that is the neat thing about God, is that He will teach you, teach us as mm-hmm. we learn from Him, yeah. is that He does the teaching. You know, a lot of people ask me, Pastor Norris, I have a hard time, I'm having a hard time memorizing or reading scripture. Mm-hmm. One of the key things that I try to tell these people is this. Have you gone to the author and asked him to reveal what he's trying mm-hmm. to say to you? And they look and say, what do you mean? The author 
is the Holy Spirit of God who breathed into men to write these words. Mm -hmm. So go back to the author and say, would you please reveal what you're writing? That's exactly Reveal to it. Now that you're living inside of me, Mm -hmm. and that is the part of the transformation which God has done, Mm -hmm. where the Holy Spirit of God now has made residence in my life, let's go to the author and say, Holy Spirit of God, I can't understand this. Mm -hmm. You wrote it. Tell me what you Mm -hmm. mean. Give me a nugget from here. And, And... and you and I understand that, that every time we read it, we can get a nugget. He's mm-hmm. not going to give you the whole thing at once. Right. Yeah. There's so much more that I have learned over the last couple of years that if I had learned them 40 years ago, I would not have been able to comprehend them. Mm-hmm. But now I'm able to, to go and comprehend it a little better. Yeah. So I think that's what, that's what is happening now. Nicodemus is going to him. They, he sees him as a master, a uh, teacher. He sees him as a rabbi. Mm-hmm. But he's asking, there's something more about you mm-hmm. than what meets the eye. Yep. And I want to know what that is. That's it. And so here's coming really seeking, like I said, seeking him out, wanting to learn. And like I said, if we go to the Holy Spirit too, and we ask with that same heart, he's going to reveal it. I'm reminded of James chapter 1, verse 5, where it says, If any of you lacks wisdom, he should ask God who gives generously to all without finding fault, and it will be given to him. But when he asks, he must believe and not doubt, because he who doubts is like a wave of the sea blown and tossed by the wind. Right? So that's just also what's going to say, look, not only is it good, God actually tells us, yes, ask me, yeah, and I will grant it to you. And so, and so he's asking, and, and Nicodemus is asking here of Jesus, you know what is, what this is all about, and then said. So then he makes this comment about being born again. Yeah. Now, here's the thing that gets me about that: Jesus could have just come right out and explained what born again was, but he chose to package it in this term that he knew with Nicodemus would raise some questions. Yeah. It's almost like speaking in code. Yep. In a sense. And, but, you know, you see Jesus do this a lot in his ministry. I see it a lot with the parables, where you see him speak just, just these stories. And sometimes he'll explain what those stories are to the people. There are other times he doesn't. There's other times where he just says these parables, the kingdom of heaven is like, and then he'll just share a story, offering no explanation of how that story relates to the kingdom of God, per se. But his disciples later, he'll explain it to her. Or they'll ask him later, what did you mean by this? And then he'll reveal. But there's this aspect of God will meet us, but he always, he wants a sense of relationship. And that's what he's striving for here. He's not, he doesn't want to just answer Nicodemus's question. He wants to engage with Nicodemus. And so he throws this out to him in this term, got to be born again. And in Jesus' mind, probably this aspect of now, Nicodemus, what are you going to do with that? Yeah. Yeah. Are you just going to act religious now and just say, oh, okay. I understand. Just, yeah. <laughs> because I don't want to appear stupid. Yeah. Yeah. I understand. You know, right? Especially I got, as I got, a Pharisee, yeah. I'm, the, I'm, I'm the one that's supposed to be the teacher. Yeah. I'm the one who teaches others. And for Jesus to use this term that prompts Nicodemus to then ha- have to ask a question is for Nicodemus to literally humble himself as a teacher and say, I'm not all there. Yeah. And, you know, what I find interesting, Tim, in, in, in the way that you're explaining this, and I love it, is it's almost like he forces Nicodemus even to ask, 
what some of us may even consider a stupid question. Mm. I mean, we know the impossibility of any of us from mm -hmm. birth on to crawl back into our mother's womb and for her to give birth to us again. I mean, that's, you know, right. that just, but that's, a, that, you know, that's how, how Nicodemus had to come back to that point of even asking him that question. Mm -hmm. I don't understand. Mm -hmm. I mean, I, there's no way I can go back into my mother's womb. There's no way that I can be born again. Mm -hmm. I don't understand. Mm -hmm. you know? And certainly there's so many of us. And I mean, I was that way. I did not understand. Mm -hmm. and, and until God finally turned the light on and said, here, let me show you. And this is what it means. So one question I had before we go any further in this portion, and it, and it teaches us here in this portion, why is it that Jesus now is making the reference that there has to be an act or a change that takes place to reach the kingdom of God. Why doesn't God just give us a blanket statement that says, oh, everybody's going to heaven, you know, and that's why I'm here, and that is it. Why is it God is saying there has to be uh, an act of me in your life so that you can have eternal life? Why does that have to be? Well, to deal with it the other way, that there's, you know, everybody's just going to get to go to heaven, all that does is that gives us an excuse for religion. Yep. Because then it becomes an aspect of, okay, so we can get to heaven, we just got to be good enough. And so now all of a sudden we get back to, well, how are you good enough? How do you measure whether you're good enough? Well, f the only way to we, we define that goodness is through religion. It's through acting righteously or things of that nature. And so what he's wanting us to understand here is that, look, have you not understood that one of the purposes of the Old Testament is to show you that you can't do this on your own, that all your religious acts don't cut the mustard, but that it's paving the way for something else. And that's the fact that I need to come and actually transform your heart. And by you being born again, even though, yes, it's this aspect of flesh, you know, understanding our flesh gives birth to flesh and the spirit gives birth to spirit. So that's the, the second birth. But it's also understanding this, how are you when you're born? You're helpless. You are unable to do for yourself. You, you are born into this understanding of total, complete dependency on another through relationship. And that's why God says that we get to become his little children. Exactly. And so what we see in this concept of being born again, if we're really going to be able to be born of the Spirit, it means to be willing to come to that understanding that we are totally dependent upon somebody else. We are helpless in and of ourselves to accomplish this. We don't have what it takes. Somebody else has got to be able to come through on behalf of us. So let's, let's, let's look at it this way. In order, you know, for us to become born again, as God has said that we all must mm -hmm. do, um, except a man be born again. He cannot see the kingdom of God. He has the very same thing in verse 7. Marvel not that I say unto you, you must be born again. Why is it a must? I look at it this way, Tim, is that we need to recognize something. Mm -hmm. And that recognition is, you know something? I and myself, because of the old Adamic nature, I'm totally depraved. Mm -hmm. You know, I don't have any form of godliness in me. Mm -hmm. However, 
he goes down and he does talk to him, for example, having to do with being born of water and of spirit in verse 5. Mm-hmm. So now what is Jesus explaining to him? Water is a picture of, for example, repentance. Mm-hmm. And, and that means you come to recognize who you are apart from me. Mm-hmm. And I'm a sinner. Mm-hmm. And apart from God, I'm going to die in my sins. But because I, even though I'm a sinner, I can go to Jesus who is going to pay my redemption mm-hmm. or pay the price for my redemption mm-hmm. that I recognize that. Yeah. And that's what he's talking about. Mm-hmm. He's saying, look, he says, you need to recognize that you're a sinner and you need to recognize that I paid the price for you. Mm-hmm. And if you can give me that honor, you can be born again. Mm-hmm. And it's also understand that this aspect, water gives birth to water, birth gives birth to spirit, gives birth to spirit. Water is not capitalized. Right. Because it is inanimate. It is, it, it is static, in a sense. The word spirit there, though, is capitalized. Right. This is not referring to just spirit, just to have some sort of spirituality. Mm-hmm. Like any religion will do. Right. This is referring. This is a capital S. This is a referring to a person, and that person is the Holy Spirit. So what he's saying here is, yeah, water gives birth to water, but the the Spirit, the Holy Spirit, is who gives birth to your spirit, which requires what then? A relationship. This cannot be accomplished religiously. Right. So how can, for example? We know, if we go further in scriptures and and also in this, is that when we trust Christ as our personal Savior, then Jesus says that he will give us the Comforter, Mm -hmm. which is the Holy Spirit of God. Mm -hmm. So the Holy Spirit of God comes in and lives inside our spirit. Mm -hmm. And the Holy Spirit, by the way, which Jesus referred to as the paraclete, Yep. right? Uh, When he told his disciples he would send the Holy Spirit, he said, I am going to send you another and that word, another translated after the same kind. In other words, he, for him to be in you is just as though I myself exactly. am in you. So there's this substitutionary aspect almost of the Spirit being in us. Is Christ in us? Yeah. So, and I've heard it explained that way, is that the Spirit that lives in us is actually the Spirit of Christ hmm. living in us. You know, that kind of thing where, where we have that. And, and so what he's saying is, look... In your natural state, you cannot enter into the kingdom. Mm-hmm. You can't do it. Why? I'm a holy God. Mm-hmm. I'm a pure God. So what I've made provision for mm-hmm. is this, is that when you ask me to come into your life and you repent of mm-hmm. your sins, just simply, Lord, I know that I've gone contrary to you. Mm-hmm. you know, no matter what it is, I've gone contrary to you. I understand that. And I ask you to wash that away then I can come and live inside of you mm-hmm. and make you a new person. That will give you access now mm-hmm. to me. Yeah, Because even if you did the letter of the law perfectly, it tells us in Scripture that your righteousness is as filthy rags. Right. In other words, your, your, your best, purest righteousness is still filthy in God's eyes. Right. You know? And I heard it put this way. It's like, well, I, I'm, I'm at least better than this person. Yeah. It's like, well, that's, that's like trying to say that, okay, I'm, you know, I'm at the Grand Canyon, and I'm going to jump from this cliff way over there to that one. And, you know, I've got somebody that doesn't get very far. He just steps off the cliff, he plummets to his death. Yeah. But you know what? If you've got the person that sprints 
and he he gets almost to the other cliff, he misses it by that much, the result is still the same. Still missed. And he still plummets to his death. And it's that way with us, if we rely on religion, if we take this relationship piece out of it, you can do everything perfectly. You're still going to miss the other cliff. And actually, isn't that one of the definitions of sin is missing the mark? Exactly. And and you know, so that was that was perfectly well them well put. That was so neat. So he goes and he and he and he says this to us. Look, there has to be a transformation that takes place where you come to me mm-hmm. and you recognize who you are without me. I will come and live inside of you. And I'm going to give you a new life. Yeah. I'm going to make you a new person. Mm-hmm. That's what it means to be born again. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm going to give you a new mind. You know, and Paul even refers to it, let the mind of Christ dwell in us richly. Mm-hmm. What? I can know the mind of Christ? Yes, I can. Yeah. Um, I, I, can I know God's will? Yes, I can. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, can I have even the slightest aspect of the nature of God? Yes, because it says that I have been partakers of his divine mm-hmm. nature. So somebody comes to you and says, yeah, but Pastor Tim, I have sinned so bad. I mean, I am the worst of the worst. My answer would be, so you join the Apostle Paul. Because mm. Paul says, I'm the worst of sinners. Mm-hmm. I'm the chief of sinners. Yeah. But look what God did with yeah. the Apostle Paul. And Scripture also says, if I've broken one, I've broken them all. James says that, yeah. You know, and so and what he's relating is this very thing. We've got it, and that's our our... That's our mind getting in the way right. of, of what a, the Lord wants to speak to our spirit. It's because when we get that attitude, we're basically saying, I've got to be better. You know, if, if God's to love me, yeah, I can't come like this, right? And it goes right along. It's that same heart that comes out, that whole attitude of, well, I can't come to the church. The walls will fall in. Let me get my act straightened out yep. first, and then I'll come. Doesn't you happen. can't do that, you know. It, it's just, and that defeats the whole pr- concept of grace. See, it's understanding that the church is not full of righteous people. The church is full of broken people who just happen to have a relationship with the Almighty God. Yeah. And stop thinking that church has got to be perfect. That is a Pharisaical mindset, yeah. and you don't have to be a Pharisee to have it. You can be far, far, far away from God and still possess that same mindset that somehow or another, through my actions, I've got to achieve His acceptance. God says, "When I was yet a sinner, He died for me." Yeah, and and He died for you. Not when I got things straightened out. He died for the Apostle Paul when he was killing Christians. Right. Yep. You know, and so we need to grab hold of this concept, and that's that total dependency once again, that we can't do this on our own, and we don't have to. He's already done it all. So how should we answer the person who goes and says, okay, you're talking about being born again, me getting a new nature and all that, but I like the old me. Mm -hmm. I don't think I'm a bad person. Mm -hmm. I like the old me. So why do I need to be born again? You know, and how do we answer them? Well, we answer them with saying, look, we fall so short of who God is. Mm -hmm. And the only way in which we can now measure up or Mm -hmm. compare with is through trusting Christ as our Savior and relying upon his precious blood to wash Mm -hmm. me and to make me that new person, Mm -hmm. to make me clean so that I can approach now the pure, holy Mm-hmm. absolute sinless God. Mm-hmm. How can I do that as a man? 
Yeah. I can only do that as a man because of what Christ did for me upon mm -hmm. Calvary's tree. That's the only way that I can do that. I think a lot in terms of um, back when I was 16, and I know you've got glasses. I used to until yep. I had cataract surgery. Yep. But for 30 years, I had to wear glasses from 16 till I was 46. But you know why I got glasses? wasn't because I knew I had to get them. It's not because I realized how bad my sight was. It's because I was taking driver's ed, and I had to take an eye test, and they told me, your vision is not 2020; it's 2200. Yep. And so you cannot take the class until you get your eyes get get some glasses. Well, okay, fine, whatever, I'll go. Well, I remember when I went. I didn't think I was missing out on anything when I went in there, but you know what? After I got that pair of glasses and I put them on, and I'll never forget walking out of that building and seeing what I was missing all along that I was not aware I was missing. Yep. And when I had that, it's like, why did my, my first thought is I should have got these glasses a long time yep. ago. And many, and, that, and I hear that story from person after person after person that when we're not walking with God, so many times we think, yeah, I'm doing just fine. Life isn't bad. I'm good enough. Yep. Things are good. That That's blurry vision. Yeah. You know, give Jesus a shot mm. and see what happens had the same experience when I got put on a CPAP machine. Didn't think there was that big an issue, you know? My wife did, because she couldn't sleep. So she yep. had me sleep yeah. in another room right. so she could get some sleep, because I'd stop breathing in the middle of the night. It's like, yeah, whatever, I, I think I'm fine. It might have been a pillow over your head. But, and, but, it was, <laughs> <laughs> but it wasn't until I had that CPAP, and I only had to have that CPAP on for three days, when all of a sudden I was walking around, it's like, whoa, I just realized I'm getting up and I'm doing things. Before, I was getting up and the first thing I would do is look for a chair to sit down in. Yeah. But before I got on the CPAP, I couldn't see it. I, I didn't recognize those things. I didn't recognize I stopped pacing when I was talking on the telephone. That's something I always used to do. I became blind to it. And so it's the same thing once again, that when you give God a shot in your life, he will take the blinders off, no yeah. pun intended. Yeah. And, and you'll begin, the things that you don't realize you're missing now, trust me, when you get on the other side of this, you'll see just how much you were missing. Yeah, you know, just to add to your story, and then we get to wrap this up. Colin has given wow. us a sign. You know, but when I got my glasses, it was for the same reason, basically, so that I could drive. And when I got my glasses, I would be out in the parking lot, and my father would look at a, at a number plate and say, what's that number plate say? And I'd say, I don't know. Um, does it say this, this, and this? It says, yeah, that's what it says. But I didn't believe what I was seeing mm -hmm. because I'd never seen it before. Right. I just, and I just couldn't believe what I was seeing. That is verse 8 mm. where it says, The wind blows where it listens, and thou hearest the sound thereof, but canst not tell whence it cometh and whether it goeth. So is everyone that is born of the Spirit. You know something? I cannot explain salvation to me. I cannot explain exactly how there are things in my life that I'm not doing anymore. Mm. They, they are meaningless to mm -hmm. me now because I don't miss them. Mm -hmm. I can't explain it. All I know is it's real. Yep. And that's exactly what Nicodemus is going to find out here. Mm -hmm. That's what it means to be born again. Mm -hmm. I can't explain it. All I know is it's real because I know what God has done in my heart mm -hmm. and I know what God's done in my life. Mm -hmm. For me to explain it, it's hard to do, mm -hmm. but I know exactly. it's real. 
And that's the same thing for each and every one of you. Mm -hmm. If you know Jesus Christ as your personal Savior and you are born again, then truly you can you know exactly the dilemma that Nicodemus was going into. I was in the same dilemma. I listened to the gospel for a long time before I finally submitted to it. But I tell you what, once I did, I never want to go back. Mm -hmm. Never want to go back. I can't explain it all, but I never want to go back. And that's the same thing with you. If you don't know Christ as your personal Savior and you're not born again yet, you cannot say, yes, I am born again. Just trust Jesus Christ. Say, Jesus, I'm a sinner. I know I go contrary to you, but Lord, I know you want to make me a new person. And I'm trusting you to do that. I promise you, he will do it and the transformation will be so, so beautiful. So beautiful. So we're going to continue in chapter 3 next week. We'll pick up where we left off here and we'll discuss more of this wonderful conversation between mm. Jesus and Nicodemus. I'm Pastor Harold Noyce, pastor of the Community Christian Church. We're located on the Lower Road in Athens, Vermont. We have morning worship at 9.30 every Sunday morning. We do have an evening service, 6 p.m. on Sunday nights. We have Tuesday night Bible studies, whether they be home studies or whether they're in the church. We have Wednesday night prayer meeting. Uh, if you're in our area, please, please, please stop in, say hi. Say, hey, I listen to Hotline Ministry, and, you know, we can share about that. So um, thank you so much for tuning in. And if you're in the Charlestown, New Hampshire area, Life on Main meets at the old at the, at the old people's place, right? The, the, we meet at the Charlestown Senior Center. Uh, by the way, I is one of those old yeah. people. Um, but we meet at the Charlestown Senior Center at 223 Old Springfield Road, right there in Charlestown. 10 o'clock, we have a coffee fellowship hour, and then 11 o'clock is our service. I invite you to come on down, be a part of that, join us for that. Um, also, on Friday evenings, from now right straight through Good Friday, we are showing um, the critically acclaimed uh, YouTube, I guess you would call it, crowdsourced series called The Chosen, uh, which has been released by Dallas Jenkins. It's taken the world by storm every Friday night. Again, doors open an hour ahead, open at 6 o'clock. Uh, we'll be showing two episodes every night. And we're going through the whole these whole first three seasons that have been recorded up to this point. Uh, we're on season one, episodes three and four this week. Invite you to come on out for that seven o'clock right there at the senior center. Now, do they have to call ahead of time, or is there something on the link that you have that would there get is? A it, for it would be helpful if people would go. Thank you. Um, it would be helpful if you went to Life on Main's Facebook page, uh, right at the very top, we do have a link to the shows and you can go there and reserve some tickets. That just helps us make sure we've got enough seating there um, already set up for people that do wanna come. But even if you can't do that, just come on down, be a part of it. This is totally free. Uh, there's no charge involved whatsoever. We just might be able to come and enjoy this time. Yeah, it's great, great time. I know we have some folks in our fellowship that's going to go to it. So, mm -hmm. you know, I really praise the Lord for that. So we thank you so much for tuning into Hotline Ministry. Hope to see you next week.